0: Welcome to Cetin Kea On Air, a series of discussions about topical legal issues hosted by Cetin Kea. We're a full-service law firm based in Istanbul, serving local and international clients. With decades of experience, we provide bespoke legal and compliance advice to law firms, businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs and families. Hello and here we are again at Chetinkaya for the next podcast in our data protection series. I'm here with Bentley Af, who is our privacy and data protection partner. How, how are you today, Bentley? I'm
1: good, thank you. How are you, Kevin?
0: Yeah, very good, thanks. Very good. Topic for today's uh, podcast is international data transfers. Quite an interesting topic and um, and, and one I've been looking into recently. I don't, didn't know much about how it affects Turkey and the, and the Turkish market. Bentley, uh, can you Give us a bit of insight on, on, you know, what international data transfers are.
1: Of course. Well, um, first of all, within the general perspective, obviously, of data protection and privacy law, cross-border data transfer or international data transfer is any form of transfer of personal data from a data controller um, in the resident country to a data controller, a data processor that's located outside of that country. In this case, obviously, a transfer of personal data to uh, data controllers or processors that are established outside of Turkey. Okay. But when you look at it from a legal perspective, and this is where the applicable Turkish legislation differs somewhat to uh, the relevant legislation in the European Union, it's a processing of personal data that has to satisfy a number of conditions before it can be legally carried out as a lawful cross-border data transfer. Mm -hmm. Um, To this effect, under the Turkish Data Protection Law, such personal data can be transferred abroad under one of three conditions. Obviously, the primary catch-all is if there is explicit consent of the data subject. Uh, The second one is if the transfer exists to one of the countries that provide adequate safeguards However, there are additional qualifying uh, factors in this situation for that. If such data is um, not being transferred pursuant to explicit consent, then it has to satisfy one of the additional grounds of transfer and processing that are set out for both general personal data or um, sensitive personal data. And the last category, and again this is also subject to um, any additional applicable grounds of transfer if explicit consent is not being relied upon, is if the data controller transferring the personal data and the recipient data controller or data processor sign um, a written undertaking regarding compliance to the Turkish Data Protection Law and also listing out the relevant purposes of processing and purposes of transfer and the relevant security and administrative measures that are in place and that this written undertaking is then submitted to the Turkish Data Protection Authority Um, in order to obtain their approval for such cross-border data transfer. Um, These are the provisions that are set out in the data protection law, and the general implementation and practice has also been somewhat shaped uh, following the law with the rulings of the Turkish Data Protection Authority.
0: Okay. It, It sounds like something that every company needs to think about. Um, are, are there any kind of like particular industries that this affects in Turkey
1: or...? or I what? think I think it's safe to say that um, cross-border data transfer is... Uh, well, it affects a broad range of industries. Um, and in fact, it isn't really possible to say that um, any industry isn't impacted by cross-border data transfer. This is because cross-border data transfer doesn't only cover situations where it's um, a direct sharing of information between um, two separate entities. For example, if it was a multinational group company, obviously that's quite a clear-cut example of sharing HR-related data from the entity in Turkey to the parent company in Europe. But cross-border data transfer and transfer of data abroad will also cover situations where companies in Turkey utilize services from uh, companies who host personal data abroad. So for example, if they're using Gmail services for email services, or if they're using cloud solutions where the data is hosted in systems abroad, then those are also examples of cross-border data transfer. So when you look at the wide spectrum of cloud or email solutions or other storage and archiving solutions that are utilized by companies, uh, then it's clear to say that cross-border data transfer affects companies across all industries. Obviously, there are Certain areas where, um, or certain industries where cross-border data transfer is more of a significant issue, looking particularly at banking and finance um, that have sort of a wide array of situations where information has to be shared with entities in other countries, looking at particularly industries in Turkey that have um, a lot of multinational involvement, so technology, uh, e-commerce, pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical exactly, yeah. pharmaceutical. Uh, so when you look at these industries, obviously, because multinationals are in place in those industries, cross-border data transfer is obviously more of an issue. Um, and also when you look at industries where Turkish companies have expanded abroad and have um, different companies set up abroad and they're transferring personnel there, such as tourism or construction, then obviously then the onus is on uh, the Turkish entities in the Turkish companies in Turkey because they're sending their personnel to those um, areas and there's obviously a a sharing of uh, personal data to those countries as well. Excellent, excellent. So
0: it it sounds like something that um, really, you know, companies that are growing at the moment, and, and working more internationally, it's something that they really need to be aware of.
1: Definitely. And obviously, it, um, established companies that have been around yeah, for a definitely. It's, so, it's Yeah, definitely. It's no matter the size of the company, it will impact them in some way, either because they have uh, group company entities in other countries or because, as growing companies, they're making use of um, they're making use of products and systems and infrastructure that are located abroad. So it is a matter that has to be taken into account by um, a number of companies ac- across a very wide range of sectors. Mm-hmm. And um, could, could you take us through any sort of legal requirements
0: for, you know, that are required for lawful cross-border data transfer from Turkey?
1: As I was just discussing earlier on, as per the data protection law, there's um, a certain number of requirements that uh, will, that the companies have to satisfy. So the primary one is obviously uh, companies can rely upon the explicit consent of uh, the data subject. So if the data subject provides their consent to such cross-border transfer, companies can um, engage in, in such transfer. However, as any practitioner in the area will, will warn you, Obtaining explicit consent or basing a cross-border data transfer upon the premise of explicit consent provides many operational difficulties. Uh, The operational difficulties being that obviously explicit consent has to be freely given, so establishing a system where this explicit consent for cross-border transfer is compulsory uh, would pose the risk of invalidating the explicit consent and therefore invalidating um, the basis of that Um, data transfer, which could then lead the company open to administrative fines or other administrative liabilities from the Turkey Data Protection Authority. Another important aspect of explicit consent is to remember that it can always be withdrawn freely. So that means that companies that establish their cross-border data transfer models on the basis of explicit consent will always have to have contingency plans if this explicit consent is ever withdrawn, because in that situation then uh, companies have to make a risk-based assessment of whether they stop providing services, which again might be interpreted as explicit consent being enforced as a compulsory factor or whether that means that they will have to have contingent backup systems that are localized in Turkey to make sure that people who don't provide consent or later withdraw consent, their data is maintained on local servers in Turkey. Uh, so explicit consent and basing cross-border data transfer on explicit consent poses these risks. Um, the other two areas, one is similar to the European Union, approach. And at this point, it's important to note that the Turkish data protection law is based on the previous directive and isn't actually um, based on the GDPR. So in some ways, uh, the Turkish data protection law does have to be modernized and harmonized with the GDPR and the GDPR's more detailed guidance and approach to such cross-border transfer issues. But particularly from uh, looking at the two provisions um, that regulate cross-border data transfer that isn't based on explicit consent. One is more similar to the European Union approach whereas more is um, similar but diverges on a few important aspects. So the one that's more readily similar is um, data transfer that's made to countries that are on a list of countries that provide adequate safeguards. So if a country is judged by the Turkish Data Protection Authority to provide such adequate safeguards then personal data uh, can be transferred to such countries ...without obtaining the explicit consent of the data subject. Provided, of course, that um, such processing is based on one of the other applicable legal grounds of processing in the law. For example, if it's based on the exercise of a contract, Mm -hmm. if it's based on a regulatory obligation, or if it's based on legitimate interest. Um, However, this is where we encounter the problem, because despite um, the Turkish Data Protection Authority... Um, being active and functional, this list of countries providing adequate safeguards has yet to be published. There was a widespread expectation that uh, this list would have been published fairly soon after the Data Protection Authority um, started their activities, and that the European Union member states would be um, on this list of countries, based on the fact, despite the virtue that the Turkish uh, data protection was based on the European Union directive and that um, a lot of implementation and a lot of practice in Turkey with regards to data processing and privacy and data protection was based and modelled on the European Union examples. However, as of yet, no European Union countries have been on this list and as I said, this list is yet to be published. A primary hold-up for this list is that the determination of countries that provide adequate safeguards One of the criteria that's been determined by the Turkish Data Protection Authority is um, the principle of reciprocity. And that uh, because the principle of reciprocity is listed as a criteria to be acknowledged as a country providing adequate safeguards, and as Turkey has not yet been acknowledged as a corresponding safe country by the European Union at commission level, um, that this is holding up the recognition of European Union uh, member states as countries providing adequate safeguards, despite the fact that Turkey's data protection and privacy legislation is modelled on the European Union. So while that second option of having a list of countries providing adequate safeguards is in the law, in practice it's not functional at the moment because this list hasn't been published. Wow. It's,
0: it really sounds like a bit of a uh, a minefield to to, to navigate lots <laughs> of things. To take into consideration, you need to have the right people in your organization to to help you do it, and you need to have the right kind of counsel uh, to make sure that you 're being compliant on all fronts um, it, and and you know watching what the Turkish data protection authority are doing and so on
1: so, no no that, i mean that 's definitely the case it is cross border data transfer has been one of the biggest gray areas uh, since the law came into effect and, and since implementation was then uh, later guided with the rulings and the activities of the Turkish Data Protection Authority. So when you look at it in that way, um, it is quite a minefield to navigate because obviously countries are operating from a GDPR perspective and are used to the certainty um, that some of the provisions of the GDPR and before that the directive provided them of finding that the same degree of certainty is lacking in Turkey and they are having to make a lot more risk-based assessments and assessments regarding maybe compulsory localization that they don't have to face in the European Union which brings us to the other um, available process that for lawful uh, cross-border data transfer Um, and this is the one where Turkey diverges from Europe so as we mentioned to begin at the beginning of our conversation uh, the final way that's stated in the law for such lawful cross-border data transfer is if the transferring data controller in Turkey and uh, the data controller or processing entity abroad to which data is being transferred, both sign a written undertaking regarding the safe transfer of uh, this personal data and if this undertaking is then presented to the Turkish Data Protection Authority for their approval. And while this model in some ways resembles the standard contractual clauses model under the GDPR, it diverges in having to have a centralised approval mechanism that's under the control of the Turkish Data Protection Authority. And this has caused uh, many issues in implementation because uh, while there was a template document that the Turkish Data Protection Authority did publish, it was quite a simple template. And when you looked at entities in Turkey that filled out this template as a basis of lawful data transfer. That was to be sent to the Turkish Data Protection Authority for their approval. Uh, What we encountered more and more was the Data Protection Authority regarding the information that was filled out in uh, the template that they themselves had published as insufficient and too simple for the purposes of review and approval by the Turkish Data Protection Authority. This is why such uh, processes of approval um, took a very long time and, and to our knowledge there's been none or very few uh, such written undertakings that have been actually accepted by the Turkish Data Protection Authority, which leads to the obvious problem that, there are, as, as we mentioned, there are many companies in Turkey across a very broad range of industries that are engaged in cross-border data transfer and international data transfer. However, this is happening without any lawful basis or they're having to rely upon explicit consent.
0: Wow. Um, it really, really, does sound something difficult to manage for a company. And, and, and from your perspective, uh, uh, as a practitioner, um, I'm wondering, where, where do you begin when, when you start um, to give advice on these things? I mean, do, do you sort of begin with any sort of particular issues that people encounter, you know, the most common issues or, you know, when people are engaging in such a, a, a data transfer or...
1: Well, it, it's first of all, it does require quite an in-depth understanding of um, the client's processes. So this is definitely cross-border data transfer. And when we're advising clients on this area, it's definitely not an area that can be done it's just surface level it requires um, us as legal practitioners to work with the different business units within the client and in maybe even the business units of the entity that they're going to be transferring an industry knowledge i would imagine as and well. definitely yeah, an industry yeah. knowledge as well to understand the purpose of such data con- uh, data transfer and then it's reaching a risk-based assessment now as i said there are processes in place for such lawful cross-border data transfer however both of them both of the ones that are currently available have various operational issues. Explicit consent might not be provided or might be withdrawn, and the undertakings process has proven to be quite arduous and in terms of acceptance of the written undertakings, definitely one that's experienced many delays on the side of the Turkish Data Protection Authority. Therefore, it's understanding the ongoing data flows, the importance of the data flows, determining whether companies can take a risk-based approach to continue such data flows while they are exploring avenues of um, how to legalize um, such data flows, or if they're going to be starting a new cross-border data flow, trying to structure in a way that takes into account such operational requirements and legal requirements before it started, because obviously it's easier to integrate whichever method uh, the client wants to pursue at the conception of the project rather than trying to integrate it once um, such a data flow has been um, discussed and decided within the different business units of the client. It's really understanding and it's really getting involved with the client and understanding their necessities. And in that sense, either designing um, an explicit consent method, helping them draft the written undertaking or, or working with them in order to minimize their risks while they wait for uh, the countries providing adequate safeguards to be published.
0: So it sounds to me like there's a lot of sort of business consulting, you know, not just from a data protection point of view, but, you know, how you should be looking at this to structure what you're doing and, and, and to give the sort of consultancy edge on, on, on how they, they're, they're achieving their goals in, in business. It seems like there's a lot of that that needs to be given by you when, you, when you're advising clients.
1: No, it, it, that's definitely the case. This is not a legal area where it's a black-and-white answer that can discard the commercial realities or the risk-based realities of both the potential for administrative action against a client, balanced against, obviously, the client's commercial realities and operational realities as well. So it's, it's really having to work with the clients to understand their business model, to understand the value that their data assets bring them, to determine the necessity of certain uh, data flows because sometimes you find that, Clients uh, aren't very selective with, particularly multinational clients, aren't very selective with what sections of their um, databases that they share with their multinational um, group companies abroad and that they can limit their risk in terms of data flow and cross-border data flow by selectively editing what types of data are shared with their multinational uh, group companies, that they don't have to share the full range of data that they hold in the companies in Turkey, thereby slightly mitigating their risks in terms of administrative action or sanction in terms of data flow. Wow.
0: So, you know, it, it sounds like there's a whole host of risks that uh, there to be faced by, by companies, uh, particularly by multinational companies. Can you sort of give us this, you know, what you think are, are the sort of top risks that they should be looking
1: out for, maybe the top three or four things? Top three or four risks, I'd say definitely first of all is, it's understanding that the current processes for lawful data transfer in Turkey are insufficient. And I know this is quite a pessimistic take on it, but as I was mentioning, because the list of countries providing adequate safeguards hasn't been published, in effect, there are only two ways to pursue lawful uh, cross-border data transfer. There is a third way that has been introduced through implementation by the Turkish Data Protection Authority which is the acceptance and acknowledge of binding corporate rules. However, that's quite a new area and one that even within the announcement of the Turkish Data Protection Authority that declared this as a new uh, method to have a lawful uh, cross-border data transfer said that review of such BCRs could take up to um, a year and that this period could be extended. And there's no clarity as to whether data transfer that happens while such BCRs are being reviewed is lawful or not, then that's another grey area and an area of risk. So all three models that are available in the absence of um, a list of countries providing adequate safeguards proves operational insufficiencies that doesn't really provide dynamic solutions that addresses the commercial operational realities of a lot of data flow that's required for um, either modern digital economies or just the functioning of um, companies that engage with um, and have connections to companies and service providers abroad. So the first area of risk is just being aware that until the list of countries providing adequate safeguards are published, any form of cross-border data transfer does prove a risk. Okay. Uh, so it's being aware of this, and it's structuring the relevant data flows in this way. So another risk is, as I was talking about earlier, is to make sure that companies aren't transferring more than is required. So not one-size-fits-all approach to cross-border data transfer. It's to make sure that their data transfer and their data flow solutions are tailor-made to make sure that they minimize the personal data that's subject to the flow Um, and through minimizing it, reduce their risk to the maximum extent possible. Excellent, excellent. You know, it sounds like there's
0: a lot of things up in the air with, with international data transfers coming from Turkey and th- lots of things to consider. So uh, I'm hoping that we're going to be talking about this again as we go mm-hmm. forward, as there, as there are developments. Definitely. <laughs> You're writing a lot of articles yes, at there, the moment yeah, no. and you've you've published a few recently on mm-hmm. Mondak and on the Chetinkea website, where, which we can uh, check out on our website. It's uh, ChetanKaya.com. Uh, please have a look at our insights page. Uh, Bentley is writing a lot of articles uh, at the moment on privacy and data protection and uh, IP and uh, sort of other areas as well. So please do um, have, a, have a look. Is there anything else you want to say to sort of uh, finalise what, what, what we're saying today and before we sort of catch up
1: again on this topic later again I mean, in the future? Sort of a final example from implementation. As I was saying earlier, because of the fact that the list of countries providing adequate safeguards still hasn't been published, there was until very recently, a sort of very wait-and-see attitude um, across multiple industries in Turkey in terms of cross-border data transfer. Due to the operational um, insufficiencies of of the explicit consent and also the model of um, obtaining the approval from the written undertakings for the Data Protection Authority, there was a general approach of companies who had cross-border data transfers to... Prepare such undertakings but not submit them and just wait for the publication of the list of countries providing adequate safeguards on the understanding that there was a sort of gentleman's agreement that they wouldn't face any sanctions with regard to such transfer. However, recently there's been two decisions issued by the Turkish Data Protection Authority, uh, one against Amazon Turkey and the other one against an unnamed company um, in Turkey that says that not obtaining either explicit consent or not having an approved written undertaking meant that the cross-border data transfer that these companies were engaged in weren't lawful, and therefore an administrative fine was issued against these companies on a few other grounds as well, but but also on the grounds that such cross-border data transfer hadn't taken place in a lawful manner. So when you consider it like that, then um, there's definitely inherent risks now associated with this wait-and-see approach, but more and more we see companies with their hands bound. On one end, on one side, there's now uh, the very real risk of sanctions, but on the other side, there's the fact that none of the models in Turkey for cross-border data transfer currently are particularly sufficient for the needs of... Uh, the cross-border data flows that's required by a digital economy. So when you look at it in that way, um, it's definitely a a minefield and one that companies, both multinational companies with group companies in Turkey or companies in Turkey, Turkish companies, that are increasingly engaging uh, foreign-based service providers should really gain expert opinions on and and be aware of when they're structuring new flows uh, when they're deciding how to structure it.
0: Yeah, so, sounds like a, a lot of good things there to mention to, to, to companies to protect themselves, uh, protect their reputation and uh, and protect their finances because nobody wants to get fined. Thank you very much You're for very spending welcome. time Thank with us. Thank you very much. Okay. We'll be back again for the next data protection podcast soon. Thanks. If you have any feedback on this podcast or would like to recommend other topics for us to discuss, you can contact us at info at com. Also, for more information on what we do and our other insights, please visit our webpage, chattingko.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.